Well, as they say in Kentucky, shucks. You know, I really appreciate uh, people, all that, I really do. It's uh, coming from my background and uh, my church life. Uh, it's really refreshing to be encouraged and strengthened just through kind words. It really is. It means a lot. And uh, to be honest, uh, I pinch myself every once in a while to see if I'm dreaming because I'm here. And when I came here about six or seven years ago, totally broken, totally burned out, uh, totally beat up, uh, chopped up, and spit out. And uh, I would, me and Patty would sit in the back, and, and we, we didn't care if we never did anything ever. All we wanted to do was to be here with these guys who are healthy, because healthy people breed healthy people, and hurt people tend to hurt people. I don't know if you've noticed that. So uh, they, they, this allowed us to do that, just to sit and to be, and then slowly we began to uh, just to begin to serve. And that, that's really what, uh, what it's all about, is really learning to serve uh, Jesus, first of all, uh, because he does call us all to be servants. He calls every one of us to be his servants into our world. And so that's why we try to go outward. Uh, it, uh, it is a form of worship. Uh, serving our community. Uh, we look at a scripture about that in Hebrews talks about there's two things to please God and one is worship and the other is serving other people. And you can't separate that from love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus was the one who came and manifested the goodness of God in bodily form. He came to reveal the heart of the Father I remember one day that I was really beat up. I had a really bad day. I, it was like a series. Anybody ever had a series of bad days? Anybody ever had? Has anybody had weeks of bad days? Anybody besides me had years of bad days? You know, I've, I've fell on all the above at this one. It was like this, uh, the center point of, of everything um, that happened in my life. Uh, it just came to a point where I realized that uh, I was no longer who I thought I was and was no longer who uh, people wanted me to be. And I, I remember that there was a real important meeting that was happening on, on, this, uh, crew, on this crew. I'm, I'm just telling you a sob story here because it's significant. So I, uh, the way that I was handling all, all, of the, um, all of the stuff that I was getting uh, many, many, many years ago, the Lord really challenged, uh, challenged us when I was in Scotland uh, to be a worshiper and to be part of the Joshua generation. And the Joshua generation, I believe, is emerging now. And some people are calling it the David generation. It's emerging now. But the Joshua generation was, was significant for one, one reason, was that Moses would go and meet God at the tent of meeting. He'd go with, in, to visit God by himself, tent of meeting, to spend time with God. But Moses decided to take a young guy named Joshua with him every time he went to the tent of meeting. So Joshua, a young guy, got to go. Can you imagine that? Got to go into the tent of meeting to be with the Lord and be with Moses as they talked face to face. And it was interesting, a little throwaway uh, verse in Scripture says this, so when Moses left the tent, Joshua stayed. Isn't that interesting? So when Moses left the tent of meeting, as many times as he met him, there was one guy named Joshua, and guess what he did? He stayed. He just stayed in the tent of meeting. If you go fast forward years down the road, what happens is when God was looking for a successor to take Moses' place, guess who he chose? 
Joshua. Why? Because he already knew him. He already knew Joshua. He already knew his heart. And uh, when he spoke to Joshua as a young person, you know, the, every, you know, he said it several times. He says, have I not commanded you to be very strong and courageous? For I am with you wherever you go. What does that say to me? It says Joshua's a little bit fearful. Can you imagine leading millions of people and you're, you're the guy that's leading them and you're a young man? No wonder God said it to him probably about four times, four or five times. Be very strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So anyway, that was part, part of um, my life because I've, I've thought, wow, if uh, Joshua did that and I'm a young guy, I think I'm just going to develop a habit of uh, when the Lord says, seek my face, my heart would say, Lord, your face I'll seek. And so I would do that. I would just listen, and when the Lord would say, come seek my face, I would respond and say, okay, I'll come and seek your face. And a lot of that had to do with worship. A lot of it had to do with sitting before the Lord and just honoring him and just being there. And so after this meeting, what happened uh, that I was supposed to be part of, how I found out that I was no longer part of the meeting in the direction of this one place where I was at, was I found that I wasn't part of the meeting because I was not part of the group, of the, the group as a leadership group. The way I found out that I was not part of the group, I was not invited to the meeting. And it dawned on me that the meeting was happening, and it dawned on me that I wasn't invited, and it dawned on me like a ton of bricks, you have lost everything. And so I'm in my car, <laughs> <laughs> and I get in my car. It's the first time I did this. I get in my car, and I go, Wah! And I drive my car toward the front, and guess what I heard? Now's the time to seek my face. Turn your car in. Come in and worship. And so I went, oh, I don't want to go in. I don't want to go in and worship. I want to go down the road. I want to find uh, some, uh, something to do, maybe even drink a beer. I don't know. I want to do something. And so the Lord's whisper says, I want you to pull in and so uh, and worship. And so I walked in and I tried to do what the Lord asked me to do. He says, I want you to put a chair on the stage and I want you to get your, your guitar and I want you to worship. And so I did. I sat down and I began to worship. And as I began to worship, all of a sudden, I think I've shared it here before, all of a sudden I saw Jesus creating the universes and the galaxies dancing before the Father, spinning the, spinning the universes into existence. And I, went, I was like, whoa. And I saw that, and then I saw the contrast of that with the cross. And Scripture says that Jesus humbled himself to take on the fashion of human, human flesh, to become the offering for us upon the cross so that we might be those who can worship the Father for eternity and be in his presence. That impacted my heart like you never would believe it. And so I wrote a song out of that. It says, humility, humility, such humility I see. Humility, such humility, you gave it all up for me. Humility, such humility for every eye to see. Such humility, humility upon the tree. It's a powerful song. It changed my life. It did. That, that moment... Instead of it being a bad moment, it became a great moment because God got involved in my mess and in my moment to turn that around so I could worship him and be able to stand here today 
uh, back in church doing what I do. Isn't that crazy? And that's the goodness of God. That's the goodness of God. And it's, it's just not for me. So our focus has been stop, rest, delight, and worship. And that's why I wrote this big, put this big blue thing on the screen, focus. Because to enable to, uh, uh, enable to flow and allow the Lord to touch our hearts, sometimes we have to be focused. Have you noticed that? It just doesn't happen. You just have to be focused. You have to think about it a bit. I remember uh, Jack Hafer, not only just focused, but focused on stopping, focused on resting, focused on delighting, and focusing on worship. And, and I was talking to Patty about it, and I said, it's a really great series because what it does, it just kind of balances life out. You know, it does. It really gives you a balanced life where you stop and you rest and you can gain strength and then the delight. And Nicole did a great job last week. And then to be able to turn back in and to worship God and to honor Him for, for who, who He is. So focus is really, really very, very important. And really, who we focus upon in worship is, is, is very, very important. Even our song choices. And we have great worship leaders. Man, they just turn us to Jesus. Have you noticed that? <laughs> it's like, let's go to Jesus. <laughs> So anyway, and uh, I was, in, again, back an old story when I was young, and I had an opportunity of meeting Jack Hayford, who was part of Van Nuys, California, Foursquare Church. He came over to speak, and he was a worship leader, songwriter, amazing man. And uh, he told a story, and, and it really impacted me, and that's one of the reasons why I come into, this isn't the, isn't the first place that I've come in with my guitar and sat down and worshiped, okay? This is just part, part of it. And there, here's the reason why. Jack Hayford said that when he moved to Van Nuys, California, he was uh, troubled because he would go in and he would worship and he would sing and he'd walk and he'd pray, pray over, the, over the seats. You know, he'd get on the stage and he'd pray over the musicians. He'd write songs. He wrote a song called Majesty, Worship His Majesty. You know, be glorified, the King of Kings above all kings. And he would was walking in the auditorium, and he would just worship. And then uh, uh, one day, he felt like as he was walking in the auditorium that there was a there was a heaviness somewhere over in the corner of the room, and and he was concerned about it, and he didn't know what to do about it. So he just uh, asked the Lord. He said, uh, "Lord, what should I do about this?" And the Lord said, "Nothing." He says, nothing. He said, the Lord says, nothing, just worship. And so he did. He just started worshiping. He just kept on worshiping. He walked through the, through the auditorium. He just has his habit was. He just got up and walked in the auditorium. I don't know how many days he did it. And then he said one day that he went, went in to worship, he noticed that the heaviness in that area of the room was gone. And he said, Lord, what happened? I mean, I didn't address the darkness. I didn't address the heaviness I felt in the room. He said, what, what, is, what happened? And he says, well, Jack, when you worship, what happens is light goes up and my light comes down. And when my light comes down, darkness cannot stay in the light. Yeah, yeah. And so he realized that worship brings the light of God into our lives. Worship brings light into our, um, into our, uh, our, our very being. And I think that's a very important point, is that worship, you know, if the enemy, I hate to even say the enemy, he's the great distractor, and so what he tries to do is to remove our, what, focus. That's what it's all about. He wants us to keep focused. 
and to make the main thing the main thing. And so Jesus is the main thing. And when we flip on the right uh, on the on the light as we worship Jesus, guess what happens? Darkness begins to flee. We don't have to address it all the time. Just let the Jesus take care of it. Let the angels take care of it. Let the light that comes take care of it. Has anybody ever uh, lived in Florida? Anybody? You've lived in Florida. You've lived in Florida. Have you remember cockroaches? Yes, cockroaches. Florida is full of cockroaches. But really, what's really fun to do is is at night go into the kitchen and turn on the light because all the cockroaches just take off out of, out of the room. So that's a spiritual illustration. So anyway, thought I'd give you probably not. So anyway, that that was one story, and then there was another story I want to share with you. Then I'm just going to wrap up pretty quick, but. There's another story <coughs> that I wanted to share with you because I began to think about you and about rest, think about me and about rest. How, how, how many people here uh, live crazy busy lives? Just raise your hand. I mean crazy, I mean lives are, are busy. Is that all? There's only a few that live busy. You're amazing. I want to come and talk to you, figure out how you do it. But the, the busyness of life sometimes pressures, pre pushes in on us, and some, what it does, sometimes what it does, it, help, it stops us or hinders us from being focused on the most important things. And sometimes it is being focused on our own selves, on our own bodies, and resting, getting the needed rest that we need so that we can be, have clarity in our emotions, have clarity in our uh, mental capacities, have clarity... Uh, just in, as we do, do life with our families and friends. And sometimes what we need to do is just to really slow down, pump the brakes, and slow down to rest. And what Aaron and Nicole and the team have been talking about is developing a lifestyle of rest by faith, of entering into his rest. If you look at Hebrews chapter 4, it talks a lot about entering into his rest. And the two things that keep us from entering into his rest are these, unbelief, that, you know, and the second one is uh, lack of faith. That we don't. That's similar to uh, unbelief, but it's a little bit different. Lack of faith. The way we enter into rest is by faith, doing what God has asked us to do by taking care of our bodies, by having trying to get some balance in our lives, so that we can focus uh, more upon what He wants to do in our lives and give us the strength to do. I had a friend who's a worship leader. Uh, and uh, he's also he's he's a doctor. His his mom is a doctor. His dad is a doctor. So normally he's going to be a doctor. And he was uh, really burnt out. He was his internship. Anybody heard of internships for doctors? It's like crazy. I mean the hours are just unbelievable. They're constantly on. Uh, they're into every different kind of uh, trauma that's going on. They that, that's how they learn. And so he came to me, and he, and he, he just told me, he's he, sitting at coffee, he, he put his hand up, he says, Steve, I think I'm losing it. I, I don't know what I can do because my connection with Jesus isn't what it should be. You know, I, I'm struggling to find any time, time of worship, but I want to know the Lord, and I want to continue to worship and to be with him. He goes, but I just don't, don't know how I, can, how I can do it. I said, well, number one, this is a season you're in. God's not going to be mad at you if you, you know, draw near to him or not. That's not the issue. God doesn't get mad if you draw near to him or not. It's a matter of his, your relationship with him. So I said, you know, in your car you can talk to God. You know, you can listen to worship music. And then I said, how about this? How about you thinking about your day? I said, uh, what, do you have 15 minutes in your day? He says, yeah, sometimes what I can do, I can grab 15 minutes here and 15 minutes there. 
I said, well, here's, here's what I would encourage you to do. I said, I would encourage you to get your iPad. It wasn't iPads back then. It was probably, anyway, or, or your iPod pod, and uh, get some earphones. And then what I would encourage you to do is to get your Bible and go lock yourself in the toilet with, uh, toilet with and shut the door for 15 minutes. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? He did it. He actually did it. He went into the bathroom during his day. He sat down for 15 minutes because he knew he needed to focus and worship. And he sat down you know, on the, on the seat. He listened to his, his iPad and he, he uh, worshiped and he read the Bible when he had opportunity. It changed his life. His life was totally brought back into some sort of balance. That's, that's an illustration. I'm just trying to say that if you're busy, I would encourage you just to uh, get out as much as you possibly can and try to focus to bring it into a day. And I, and I think that, that, uh, that without faith, it's, it's very, uh, very hard to do that. So scripture says this. I want to just mention this about worship. Uh, worship is the scene of his appearing. That's what we believe. And uh, we also believe uh, that worship uh, is also uh, faith set to music. That's what I wanted to say. Faith set to music. You ever thought about that? That worship is faith, the things that we declare, set to music. And if you think about all the songs that we sing, uh, a lot of the songs we sing are declarative songs. Uh, a lot of the songs we sing are, are toward God. Uh, sometimes uh, some of the songs we sing are about God. Some of the songs that we sing are thank you songs, attitude of gratitude songs. And it's, a lot of them are declaration songs. And if we ignite our faith with what we're singing, and that's the reason why, back in the day, why hymns were written. They were written so people could understand theology, to understand the things of God. That's what hymns were written for, so there would be a basis for them to figure out how to get into some theology using songs. And some of the songs, the Wesley Brothers, some of the songs were bar songs. There were songs and the tunes were to bar music, and they would just change the, the words, and they began to sing. Why? Because they didn't have access like we have today with our Bibles. And so what they had to do was to learn theology through singing and worship, and so declaring uh, who God is and who He is. So it is faith set to music. I'd like to encourage you to think about that, that when you come in to worship, just think about it. Today I'm activating my faith. Today I'm activating my faith. If uh, things are going on in my family, I'm activating my faith. I'm activating my faith by declaring that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over all my stuff, over everything, everywhere of my stuff. So it is faith set to music. Uh, Hebrews 11 uh, says this, Without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and here's the kicker, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Isn't that great that it's legitimate that as we seek the Lord and we worship the Lord that there's something going to happen to us? And you know what it's called? His reward. What is his reward? It's his presence. It's his peace. It's his grace. It's his life that he gives to us. That's, that's the, the reward we receive, but he gives it to those who come to him and believe. That means that we have faith that he is, that he exists, that he is good. Secondly, it, it, it's really interesting to me, in John chapter 4, I mentioned that earlier about the woman, um, no, I didn't mention uh, John 4, I mentioned another one, but the woman at the well, 
she's there talking to Jesus, and, and they began to have this dialogue. He begins to reveal her life. She gets a little bit nervous because he's revealing her life, which is true. And so what, what she says, she says, uh, she jumped to uh, the issue of worship. Where should we worship? Should we worship here or worship here? And Jesus brought it right back in. It's not a matter of where. It's about a matter of who and how we worship. That's what he began to bring to her, who you're worshiping and how you're worshiping. He ends it by saying, we worship, the Jews worship, because we know him, and that's how we worship. So then she, he makes this amazing statement. He says, the Father seeks those who will worship him. Have you ever thought about that? The Father seeks those who worship him. That makes sense to me. So if the Father seeks those who worship him, maybe I should become the worshiper the Father seeks. Because if I'm seeking God and I'm seeking Him and He seeks worshipers, I need to do everything I can so that He could seek me. I want Him to seek me. I want Him to know me. I hope, you know, I know He knows me, but you know what I'm saying? I want Him to know that I love Him and that He seeks my worship. John 4 says, A time is coming, and even now has arrived, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be His worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And I, I love this saying, this pondering, this, this uh, statement here, the Father seeks worshipers. Get this, it's boom. By the blood of Jesus and by the agency of the Holy Spirit, we are the acceptable worshipers whom the Father seeks. We're qualified. We're qualified to be the very worshipers the Father seeks. How? Through the blood of His Son. Our worship is acceptable because of what Jesus has done for you and me. So we're qualified to be the very worshipers that the Father seeks through the agency of, of, his, of, uh, of his, his blood and the power of His love. Let me wrap it up real quick. Just uh, making a comment about uh, repentance, and if you if you notice what's going on in most revivals, what happens is there's usually a very very strong call for repentance to come and to turn toward God, to turn away from uh, your sins, and to ask God to forgive you. And I think that it's really important to recognize that when we're asking people uh, to to repent, we need to always remember them to repent from, but repent toward someone, and his name is Jesus. Because if you leave it out, if you leave Jesus out, the blood ain't covered it. Jesus' blood is, is what covers our sins and washes us clean. So when we repent, we turn toward God, we turn toward God, we turn toward him through the power and the blood of Jesus and ask him to forgive us of our sins and guess what the Word says? The Word says He does. He forgives us of our sins. So repentance is twofold. We turn from, we turn to, we turn through the blood of Jesus. And when we turn to through the blood of Jesus, Jesus looks at us, and you know what He calls us? The righteous. He calls us the righteous. If you study uh, Paul, he talk, talked about it constantly. I'm not trying to find a righteous of my own attained by the law or the things that I do good and the things that I do bad. I'm searching for the righteousness that comes through faith in what Jesus has done for me. That's what Paul's pursuit was. Paul's pursuit was seeking to have the righteousness that comes by faith because of what Jesus did upon the cross. 
what Jesus did upon the cross as we uh, uh, reach out for him by faith and what he did for us, like the illustration I did, such humility I see when we embrace who he is and what he has done, done for us, then guess what happens? He imputes righteousness to us. And so when we come before the Father, what the Father does, he sees us, he sees all of our stuff. You, know, you guys have stuff? He sees all of our stuff we're dealing with. But at the same time, he sees, sees his son, Jesus, who's, who's on, the, on the cross. And guess what, folks? That's called the good news. That is the good news. I mean, it's crazy, but it's the good news. And the very goodness of God, uh, Scripture says, does lead us to repentance. And it's his goodness that helps us to turn toward him. Here's a real key verse in all of this. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous or just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Would you all say with me the last two words? All unrighteousness. That's pretty heavy. It's not just some unrighteousness. Yeah, but what about, no, all unrighteousness. If you're sincere, you come to God through the blood of Jesus. Jesus looks at you and he says, that you are his righteous one. So therefore, Hebrews 4, I mentioned it earlier today, therefore, let us draw near with confidence. Would you say that with me? With confidence. confidence. Having confidence so we can come in here every week with confidence that God is going to meet us. Every week, believing by faith that he's going to meet us. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And I think that's just wonderful that we're able to be able to do that. Every week we can come in. We come to the throne of grace. It is a throne of grace. The Bible declares it as a throne of grace. It is a mercy seat. We have a priest in heaven, and his name is Jesus. He is the high priest. He is the one who is in heaven. He is the one who went to heaven and spilt his blood upon the mercy seat. And so when we come, when we come to him, we're coming by faith in what he has done for us so that we can receive what we need by his mercy and by his grace. Amen. That's what we're doing here. That's why we're trying to encourage us all to enter into a place of rest. And the place of rest is really, it really does come through faith believing, believing what we're doing in obedience to Jesus, that he will give us rest on every, every side, on every side. So our focus is important. I would encourage us all just to uh, continue to uh, re continue to focus upon Jesus. You know, everybody's comparing uh, what's going on t today in Asbury, you know, all, the, all around Cedarville, even different places as a new, quote, Jesus movement. And the reason why is because the young people, what they're doing, they're, they don't want the hype. They don't want the, the crazy stuff that's going on. What they want is an encounter in the reality of Jesus. They want to be like Joshua, who when Moses, the older guy, got out of the tent, they said, we're still young. We're hanging out in the tent. We're hanging out in the tent. Why don't we stand and we'll get going. Well, I hope that was clear clarification a little bit on what we're pursuing, and uh, worship is the scene of his appearing. And I would just encourage you, you know, um, if it's really worship isn't about you, it is in a way, but it's really about who Jesus is and about who God is making you to be. 
And so when we worship, I think it's really important, like, like if you're going through stuff, just say, say, God, just help me to lay aside my stuff. Help me to really focus on what really matters. And you really matter. Why? Because you're the one who gave me everything. You're the one who gave me eternal life. You're the one who has lifted me out of the, as the old hymn writers wrote, out of the miry clay, and you placed my feet on a solid rock. And this rock is Jesus. That's him. That's who it is. So I uh, just want to commend that with you. And, and uh, could you lead us in a song? Josh, you guys, just lead us in a song of worship at the end. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I should have said. <laughs> thank you, Lord. As music just begins to play, why don't you just uh, close your eyes for a minute. Just as music begins to play, they begin to play. Just uh, shift your focus, shift your focus from even what I've been saying. To shift your focus toward Jesus, to shift your focus toward who he is, toward his mercy, his goodness, and his kindness in your heart. And just allow his presence to come, just let his presence come. Thank you, Father. Wisdom from heaven is first peaceable. It's full of peace. So we invite your peace to come now, Lord. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. 